three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, ladies, and gays. This is The Real Pineapple, and this is your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you're having a great day, night, weekend, whenever you're checking us out. Um, I'm really happy and privileged to be able to talk to uh, director of the new film, American Murderer. Got a lot to cover in this movie. Uh, uh, Matthew Gentile. Matthew, how you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. So I got a chance to check this out a couple days ago uh, or last night. Pardon me. What is time anymore? And <laughs> and I got to say, man, I, I've got quite a few questions in the in the best way about this. So right. looking through your filmography, I know it looks like you. Uh, I know you did a short of this back in 2019. So mm-hmm. I guess my first question right off the gate, why turn this into a feature film as, uh, as opposed to just keep it as a short? Well, it was actually designed kind of the inverse way of that. Um, you know, I had the script written at the time I did the short or a version of the screenplay. But, you know, what happened initially was I was kind of struggling to get my screenplay read around town. Okay. Um, you know, anyone who's worked in Los Angeles can tell you that sometimes getting a screenplay read is challenging just because, <laughs> Fair. you know, agents, executives, business people, the gatekeepers, they have a lot of uh, scripts to read every week. So, getting someone to take two hours out of their day or an hour and a half and read yours can be challenging, especially when you're someone who's not established. Um, so what I did was I actually went and I shot one scene from the script uh, from American Murder Screenplay to advertise the script, essentially, okay. and get people piqued and intrigued. And so we did a, a SWAT invasion sequence, which I won't spoil when that happens, but there is a SWAT invasion. You've probably seen in the trailer. Yep. And uh, we shot that as the perfect concept, and that kind of helped. You know, It was a really effective piece for me because it was like a five-minute sequence, You know, had some cool music and some cool action, and kind of just gave a, gave a sense of the tone and the vibe. And you know, I'm not the first person to do a proof-of-concept short. Um, you know, Damien Giselle did it to get Whiplash made, you know, Billy Bob Thornton famously did it for Sling Blade, went and shot a scene. So it's a common way, you know, to help uh, get an independent film made is just do a little sample of it to get, you know, financiers, producers, companies interested. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I'll say just right off the gate, one thing I really appreciate about your style is how grimy things look. I, I was, I was, uh, I was the one of the notes I have here. I'm like, I feel like I was watching a GTA film. Uh, at at, at, at points because because the way that um and i'll just kind of jump in here but the way that uh jason uh in the movie is portrayed i love the the slow spiral that we get with him because at first he just seems like kind of a douche i mean any and he is a douche but 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 the fascinating thing about him is that you have these little glimmers and this is something i love about your script where you think maybe he's making a turn maybe he's not as terrible as I think he is. And without spoiling things, I love the fact that he's not only terrible, but he's more terrible than I even initially thought he was. <laughs> right. right. And, totally right. Yeah. So, so, so for you, because you're not, you are the director and you're the writer on this, obviously the whole based on a two, true story thing that, you know, that's, that's a common phrase and 
with movies and everything now. But for you having both those responsibilities, where does your line fall in as far as where I embellish here, where I leave this part out here? Like, how does that kind of factor in as you're putting this all together? It's a great question. Um, and yeah, it sounds like you really got the movie, which is great. And I love that you said GTA because, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's the early 2000s. That's the, the period we're depicting. So it has that fun kind of trashy, you know, pop vibe. Yeah. Um, in terms of answering your question. So, you know, I was always trying to with this film. So it is based on a true story and that a lot of the events in the film did happen. Um, that said, you know, my early drafts of the script were pretty close to the facts as I had heard them. Okay. Right. And then as I started to develop it more and more, because ultimately, you know, the goal of drama, right, and great drama is to create a character who you're going to want to spend time with. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to like them, because I think a lot of people will watch this and not like Jason, think he's a douche. I've had some people like him. I've had some people hate him, you know, and everywhere in between. But really to make him a fully three dimensional three you know, character that you get a 360 degree view of by the end of the film. Um, but, you know, the nature of the way we tell this story, as you've seen, is we're really you're seeing Jason Derrick Brown occasionally from his own perspective, but more from different ones. You know, you're yeah. seeing him from the point of view of his mother or, you know, Ryan Phillippe's character, the FBI agent who's hunting him or, you know, Adina Menzel's character, his love interest, landlady, right? And his sister, Chantel Manson. So, you, you know, so as you're seeing him from all these different perspectives, you're seeing that this was a guy who ultimately meant many things to many different people. In terms of adhering to the facts, you know, eventually, as I kept working on the script, I realized that to make this work as what I wanted it to be, which is, you know, a crime thriller, drama, tragedy, right? Yeah. You know, a, a character study disguised as a cat and mouse thriller, right? Um, I had to, I had to embellish, I had to dramatize, and I had to kind of have that freedom, you know. So, a question I have to get asked is, did you consult the family when you made the movie, or did you consult? That was my next question. Yeah. And and I didn't. I made a choice not to because you know there was a lot. First of all, there was a lot of stuff out there about Jason Derrick Brown. He made a lot of images of himself. He filmed himself throwing a lavish boat party, which we do recreate to a certain degree in the film. Yeah. Um. You know, so there are a lot of details in the movie that are like you know a lot of the, the wardrobe choices we made. You know, that red hoodie Jason wears is what he was photographed in many times, or you know the 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 green shirt he wears to the nightclub is based off a real green shirt we saw him wearing in photographs so okay. there was a lot of trying to be authentic right but i gave myself a lot of room as the director and the screenwriter to really go and imagine and you know dramatize events because the way things play out often in real life don't often make for you know necessarily a great True. screenplay or a great movie um so you know ultimately it's the job of the dramatist in this case me to dramatize it and so there was a lot of work i had to do to to make that but i think you know at the end of the day i think we stayed close to at least i think the emotional truth of the situation which was this was a character who you know was a con man and deceived a lot of people and made a lot of people fall for him and fall into his web and that's what the movie's about and that's what it's unpacking so at the end of the day you know even though yes we absolutely did make things up and this is true crime fiction right it's not true crime <laughs> documentary or true crime you know straight it's you know it's it's a fiction it's it's a fictional imagination of you know it's an interpretation of things that happen so you know if you were to take six other directors and have them tell the story i'm sure you would get wildly different you know takes on it so what is real anyway <laughs> right exactly especially in 2022 one thing i will say that i uh it's funny that you brought up documentary because that's something i actually have here i love the fact that 
at points it feels like a pseudo documentary within the film itself, especially when um right. when Ryan when Ryan Philippi, who I think is one of the most kind of criminally underrated actors, kind of constantly, which, which yeah. is weird how that always keeps happening. Because I think about something like Shooter that he was in and seeing him in this, uh, seeing him in this with you, and you do a great job directing the film, but him in particular for me, how casting-wise, as far as getting these actors in the roles, could you get some, I mean, he's a big get, um, um, Tom uh, Tom Pelfrey, who I loved on, uh, uh, who's also on Ozark, both on Banshee before that. Um, He's a powerhouse in this, and he... Agreed. The way he does get into these very grimy moments. Um, again, we're gonna try to stay away from spoilers, but there's a scene on a golf course that he has, and I was just sitting here laughing because I'm just like, God, he's such a piece of crap. Like the way he manipulates and turns people. Yeah. And as we were talking about earlier, the whole you think he might have learned something, but then you realize, oh no, he's like conning me into thinking he might be <laughs> he might yeah. be learning, which totally. is which is so ironic, but to get someone like Ryan Philippe in that role in particular, because you need someone who's going to be obviously driven to get that character home as far as just not being a, a, an FBI agent, but having almost a moral obligation to take Jason down. Like, why did Philippe fit that role so well uh, for you as far as how you're directing him? And everything? It's a great question. I mean, and I agree with you. I just, I think he's a great actor. Um, and someone who, you know, you think about the experience Ryan Phillippe has had. I mean, he's worked with Tony Scott, Clint Eastwood, Robert Altman. I mean, heroes of mine. And and he's made so many films. You know, he's such a, he's a true pro in every yeah. sense of the word. And I mean, I was very lucky with this entire cast. All of them really exceeded my wildest dreams of what this film could be. I mean, they were really an incredible group. Um, as far as Ryan goes, you know, whenever I cast a role, I like to make a list. Um when I have the actors that I'm considering or thinking about going out to of, you know, what traits the characters have. And then I try to look and I try to see if they, you know, how it's a match. So, you know, in the case of Jason with Tom, it was like Jason needed to be, he needs to be charismatic, right? You can't have a non-charismatic actor playing Jason. He needs to be physical, right? Because it's a physical role. He does pull-ups. He's off of the shirt a lot, right? So he's got to be someone who has a physicality to him and acts physically. You know, he's got to have, he's got to be unpredictable, right? He's got to be able to flip on a dime. He's got to be able to be sad and crazy, you know, and cry. And he's got to be able, you know, he's got to be able to kind of have those notes. And Tom clearly had that for Mozart and Banshee and, and other projects he's been in. I mean, he's, he's very, he has that. You know, with Le- with Lance Lysing's character, Ryan's character, what you really um, want is somebody who, you know, he's buttoned up, right? He's professional. He cares yeah. a lot about his job. He has a sense of justice, right? A sense of morality, right? He might be a little, infl- you know, he has all these things. And so when I look at Ryan, you know, and the roles he's played and and who, who I, as I know him from like just having worked with him, it totally makes sense because Ryan, Ryan comes from a military family. You know, okay, I didn't know that. That makes sense. Okay. And so it just, you know, it's become so apparent to me that he was always, I mean, he was actually my first choice for this role, which often doesn't, you often don't get your first choice. You know, they say don't write them down and they say don't, (laughs) they say don't write for actors because you get your heart broken because they're not available or whatnot. And Ryan actually initially I thought wasn't going to be available for this and I was pretty disappointed. Um, But then when it turned out he was actually, he was on the show Big Sky. um, Going out to him, but it was a bait and switch. And so because they said he was on the show, they were like, Ryan's not available. 
we're like, okay. And then we found out he was going to get killed off. So he was, because he got killed off in that show, he was available to do my movie. Um, and working uh, with him was, yeah, it's all dream come true. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of viewed him like a mentor almost. He, you know, he's directed a movie too, a good movie also. Um, yeah. And he's just a really generous, cool, good guy, super easy to work with. Just, yeah, total professional. So, um, so I'm 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 happy here. The experience with him was so great because that brings me to uh, his brother, uh, or who plays his brother in, in uh, Paul Schneider, who I immediately yeah. think of from uh, Parks and Rec, is immediately where my my brain goes to. And yeah. that relationship in particular, uh, if there's any, I hesitate to use the word humanity, but I can't think of anything else. So I'll I'll go with humanity. But if there's any humanity to Jason that I've really found truly captivating, it's the relationship between his uh, sister, his brother, and his mom. And I'll start with his brother here because there's a scene, oh yeah, not not spoiling, but there's a scene where he kind of gets him out of jam and that leads to the to the golf course scene later on in the film. And that initial scene, I went, oh, he's that sibling. He's that sibling who would <laughs> who would get you in trouble, not let that go and go, hey, remember that time, you know, years ago I did this for you. Right. As as far as getting the complexities of those relationships, because I think the relationships are shockingly complex in a very short amount of time, with David and Jason in particular, how important was it to flesh out that relationship? I mean, between the siblings, as far as like how did you kind of approach that initially? Uh, it was very important, you know, as you said, because you kind of just nailed what the movie's about, which is it's it's about family. You know, this is a, you know, those relationships, the mother, the sister, and the brother are, are the three most crucial. Um, you know, Adina's character also, but in a different way, because there he's trying to recreate family a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and the father. So, you know, it's a story about family. That's the theme underneath it all. You know, every movie has a one-word theme, and the one-word theme for American Murderers, I saw it was family. Um, the brother relationship is very important, and that's that golf course scene you're talking about is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a triggering scene because you know you really see these two brothers who have they drifted apart and how here they are at this time and he's so you know in jason's mind he's desperate right he's not really conning anyone he's just i'm desperate and i gotta do this and that's the that's the way his brain works and it's unfortunate it's terrible but that's just you know his calculation um you know paul i think really did a great job grounding that role um I'm, he's another first choice or oh I really okay nice mm -hmm. i had him on top of my list and we got him and you know, Paul's a great guy. He's, you know, he's been around, he's, he's pretty young, but he's been around for a long time. He's been, you know, his first movie was George Washington, the indie film, David Gordon Green. That oh, was, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of came together and then they made that film, all the real girls right after that. And that was actually Tom's telling us that he did that a monologue from that movie in his acting class at Rutgers, you know? <laughs> so small world. Just, uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul was a great asset to have on an indie movie like this because, because of his George Washington experience and all the real girls experience. He's, he's bat, he's played around in this, in this realm before. So I was really grateful to have them. And I think the, their scenes are some of the strongest because these are two brothers who ultimately do love each other, even though there's been some mistreatment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, it was something that you have Tom, Paul, and I did do rehearsals on Zoom. It was the, we shot in the pandemic, so there was no in-person rehearsals, but. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But we did, we did a lot of rehearsals on Zoom and that they found some really great emotional truth in those scenes. And I think um, even like I inspired me to do some tweaks and whatnot, but, you know, we, they really got it, both of them. I mean, you know, that these two brothers had drifted apart and were in different places in their lives and 
I don't know. I just think Tom and Paul really grounded them and, and played their scenes truthful and real. And I think that's why it works. When uh, we brought her up, obviously, because she's amazing. We brought up Idina Menzel in here. And that, I love the way you brought up the fact that he's trying to recreate, you know, the family he feels like he doesn't have anymore with her. And weirdly, and this is something I really found fascinating, he felt like at first it definitely felt like okay like your conquest that's all i care about but then as he starts to, uh as jason starts talking to her kid you do feel that kind of oh i could be a i could be a mentor potentially to this kid and at first what he does it's it's one of those kind of eye roll moments where i'm like dude why are you why are you trying to get this kid in trouble already but there's a weird sincerity Jason in that moment or in those moments with him that I went he doesn't really have that with anyone else maybe independent of his sister like because even his brother and him are so far apart I don't know if that's a component in the relationship that can ever be recovered which is its whole other discussion itself but talk to me though about getting uh having Idina Menzel in here because we get she gets a lot of scenes with uh, Ryan uh uh Ryan Philby and I love those scenes because he's almost taking pleasure in this in deconstructing who Jason is to her right and and seeing her processing it in real time those are some of my favorite shots in the movie because you just see the heartbreak of even that little bit of doubt creeping in of going maybe it's maybe this guy's actually telling me what I need to hear but I don't want to lose I don't want to lose who I believe he is. So can you kind of talk to kind of talk me through that as far as their relationship? Yeah. Well, you know, Adina was excellent. I mean, she was so fun to work with and I, I was excited to work with her because I grew up loving her. I grew up in New York city. I was a theater geek. Okay. I, I seen her on Broadway multiple times, Um, you know, and she actually was a suggestion by our casting director. I didn't even think she would be, I didn't think someone of her caliber would you know, be available to do this. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a cool idea. You think she'd want to do? And they were like, apparently she's looking to do this kind of thing. And we were like, okay. And, uh, you know, I loved her in Uncut Gems. and skin. I saw her in a play called Skin Tight at the Geffen uh, here in Los Angeles, which she was excellent in a cool drama. And so I was really excited about her doing this because I don't think she's ever played a role really like this before. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, so it was a fun, I th- you know, I think it worked as a casting choice because she's playing a bit against type. Um But, you know, she's excellent in those scenes because I think, again, what you see is, you know, yes, Jason is lying to her and he's using her. And that's what, you know, Ryan's character, part of what I think Brian plays really well in this movie is he's just so eager to expose Jason. Yes. Right. He just wants to expose him for the monster that he is. And people just aren't seeing it. They're blinding themselves because they don't want to see the truth, which often happens with con artists and victims of them is they just don't want to see that they were deceived or used because that's harder to admit, which is why, you know, she lies about their relationship and all that sorry little spoiler um but you know i think you're right i think you know she is heartbroken and she a part of because i don't you know i think that was something really important that adina did with the character and tom and i talked about you know with her like all three of us when we did the rehearsals we talked about making sure that her character was not just some stupid woman right yeah because that's a trap you could have fallen into very and i think we were all afraid of that like adina was like she's not some dumb woman right and i was like no 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 no. she's she's not i never wanted her to be like she's a strong independent single mother who this guy comes in and he really you know charms her knocks sweeps he just completely you know sweeps her off her feet and he's good with her kid i mean it just quickly endears her to him 
you know, because, um, you know, I mean, I know from my parents, right, you know, there's no better way to get close to a parent than to tell them you love their kid. That that's, yeah, that's right? hook, line, sinker right there, yeah. And so, and I think, you know, it's not totally opportunity. Like she asked him to watch him, so he has fun with the kid, and he hangs out with the kid for a night, you know, and, and he is like a cool friend to have, you know, on the surface, that's what it looks like, but there's obviously something very wrong with it, so... But I think that's how these kinds of guys like Jason, these conners, they work is, you know, that the, the whole term comes from the term confidence trickster, right? Which means they trick, they, they earn your confidence and then they trick you. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what's fun about it. I think that's what's, you know, disturbing about it. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very, you know, that's a, that's a key relationship for sure. Yeah. Um, the scene um, and uh, yeah, I can talk about this. There's a scene where he's talking to them at Thanksgiving and just the way that plays out, I went, Oh my God, you just, you heartless son. Like it's, it's heartbreaking in the best way. And that, and that brings, and we haven't talked about him a lot and we need to want to talk about Tom, obviously. So, you know, you talk about having someone who has a physicality, he was able to, you know, flip on a dime. There's a scene and oh okay there's a scene in this movie where he has a gun and he's talking to a guy and and I'll, and I'll leave it just at that and that's one of my favorite scenes you directed because it it starts off so kind of like ha 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 and by the time that scene ends I'm sitting here going oh I don't like the way that played out <laughs> it's right. just, it, and it's one of those things where you realize his his sense of desperation but you realize that you know, there are levels to this. Like he was going for being, you know, oh, I need to pawn this watch to okay, I need to do this thing, yeah. otherwise I'm screwed. Um how was it as far as pitching the role to him? Because he, you know, there are scenes where he's out on a boat with girls and he's drinking. There's this great scene in a club where he sees you kind of go a little candy man with it, which I from a director perspective, I went, I love that shot. There's a couple shots in particular, people you'll know when you see them that I went, oh, oh. like this one. Or, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I I went, oh, I love that. But <laughs> how was it pitching this to Tom? How far, how, I mean, was there anything he was uncomfortable with doing in the script? Because he's doing some stuff in the script that's not, you know, yeah. easy. So kind of how was great, it kind of? Great question, him? yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he was pretty bold and fearless, I would say. Um, you know, at the outset, when we first, the way it worked was we offered him the role. So I told my producer who had recommended him to me and I saw his stuff and I was like, oh yeah, yeah this is the guy. And we made an offer, um, you know, and then he and I met. Um, we met on a few different Zooms. I think we met twice. And you know, the Zooms lasted about like an hour and a half where we just talked, you know, and we talked, saw how we got on we really gelled we seemed to really you know we really clicked um but you know i think he had some trepidations about playing it just because exactly you know i think it wasn't so much about what's in the script is it too risque or this and that he was very comfortable with that part i just think he was more you know concerned about how we were portraying jason you know and like because he read the script and really clicked with it but he was like what's what does matthew want to do with this what kind of story are you trying to tell you know are you trying to go more like portrait of a sociopath or are you trying to do something more grounded and human and like we're gonna really like try to explore who this guy is and show the audience why he is the way he is and i think once he understood that my intention was even though you know i think we both would now say that jason is probably a sociopath you know we didn't really look at him that way i didn't Hmm. i don't think tom did either we looked at him as this wounded immature calculating man child bro 
who just became desperate in his own mind and put and was pushed in his head to the point now he did a horrendous heinous thing and he ultimately is probably diagnosable as a sociopath no doubt yeah but when as you know as the storyteller is approaching the material because we're trying to make somebody who you know feels real and 3d so we never wanted this to be you know as much as i love it henry portrait of a serial killer or you know any of those kinds of movies that were too like you don't want to be a, a caricature and i think that's what tom you know ultimately was making sure he was going to be able to do and he and there's no doubt that he could he's just he's such a great actor that i think he really understood what made jason tick on a gut level um and i think that's why he's so strong in it there's there's a scene in particular I, I mentioned the club scene but it brings me to maybe my favorite scene in the movie and that and that's hard to say but uh there's a scene with uh with Jackie Weaver which I, yeah. that was such a welcome surprise I was like wait what she's in this I was like oh that's so cool but she's there's great. there's a scene where he's talking to her and he pulls out this pamphlet and it, and it's trying <laughs> And it's, 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 I love that prop. <laughs> I love the fact that it's, it's a pamphlet in particular. I just went, oh my god, this is so grimy that you're just, you, you know, that you're. Uh, it's, oh, I, I love that prop in particular. Mm-hmm. But, she, but she's the one person in the movie, I would say, to the degree that she has, that just flat out calls him on his shit. Right. And it's, it's one of my favorite. I, I think that scene in particular is such a turning point because. He's probably out of level three out of ten for desperation, and once that happens, he kind of goes, "Oh crap, things are you know things are getting real." Talk to me about directing that scene because when <laughs> because talking about Jason earlier about him maybe being more good than we think, there's this point where he could have just walked away. And he stops to get the last word, and I just started laughing because I went, "Oh my god, that." That is the point of no return right there because he could have actually let what uh, what his mom said a uh, word say marinate and actually have some self reflection, but he takes he goes out of his way to be an asshole, and I yeah. just went, yep, perfect. I went, yep, this is who he is. I love this. So yeah, totally. please talk to me about that scene. And oh uh, man, yeah, everything you're saying is exactly how I wanted you to react. So that's that's great. Um. You know, that scene, yeah, it's a favorite of mine, too. I actually was asked on a podcast yesterday, I did the Screenwriting Life podcast, and they asked me if you can be remembered for one passage, what would it be? And I said that scene. Really? Um, okay. I was glad. Yeah, well, that scene, you know, I, I was answered the questions if I was going to die tomorrow. No no more movies. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but yeah, no, it was one of my favorite scenes, too. I mean, first of all, when you cast someone like uh, Jackie Weaver and you get someone like her in your movie, you know, and you have her and him in a scene it's pretty powerful, right? Because yeah. these are two very powerful actors. Um, Jackie was such a pleasure. I mean, I've been a fan of her since, you know, I, I heard movies from the 70s of the Australian New Wave, like Stork. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah, so you know, and uh, and Picnic at Hanging Rock, um, Panic at Hanging Rock, which is just a, a phenomenal film, Peter Weir. And, you know, she's worked with so many great directors from them to the David O. Russell to, you know, like, you know, David Michaud. I mean, she's really just a fantastic actress. Um, and so when we did that scene, we actually didn't do any rehearsals before. I mean, they, they met on the day and they came in and did it. Oh, wow. And, um, okay. It was really powerful in the room that I kind of realized, like, I had, you know, I storyboarded the whole movie. I had a pretty clear vision of how every scene and shot should look. 
with that scene, I remember loosening up my approach a little because the blocking kind of like changed on the day they found they Tom discovered some really cool things and like when he got up and went, walks over to that thing. But you know, it was a pretty um it honestly directing a scene like that, I hate to sound so cliche for you, man, but it's easy because they had it so strong between yeah. the two of them that really my job was to put the camera in the right place, you know, and really get out of their way. Cause there wasn't too much going in and telling them things or anything like that because they had it these two they were really you know they were bringing their a game and so for me as a director like i just had to really make sure i photographed it right and you know gave them their space and made sure that because it's an emotional scene it's intense and especially for tom's character because he really like goes through the gamut yeah. um and uh you know and, and that scene the other scene you talked about where he points puts the gun up to his friend right they kind of they ride these emotional roller coasters Right. They kind of go up, down, you know, sideways. Like, you know, you laugh a little bit and then you're like, oh, and then you're uncomfortable and whatnot. And, you know, that's kind of what I was trying to do. One of my favorite filmmakers, Rainer Werner Fassbender, and it was to say that a movie has to have humor, tragedy, sadness, sex, violence, death, you know, <laughs> everything in it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's the fun thing about the tone of this movie and that scene with Jackie encapsulates. It kind of has it all. It's a little funny. It's a little, it's very sad. It's uncomfortable and it's tense. And, you know, that's what, that's what we wanted. All right. So la- last question uh, before I let you get out of here. Um, when the credits roll on this, I just kind of sat back and went, wow, I'm shocked it ended that way. I'm happy it ended that way. When people watch this movie and they're done and they're reflecting on this, if there's one thing, is there one thing you want your audience to take away from this? Well, you know, I don't really make message movies where I say like, you know, this is how you should feel about that or that's how you feel. You know, I made the movie to ultimately examine this dark soul of Jason Derrick Brown to really put the audience in the theater vision or the streaming room here <laughs> to your living room and just watch it and really take in what who this guy was and what he meant, right? And, you know, hopefully what it does, I think, is it makes you feel and it makes you think and it makes you ask questions in particular one question i ask myself which is about two from this movie and writing this film and directing it the two questions i still ask myself is why do we fall for con artists right why do we keep falling for them because they're not going anywhere (laughs) they're still around around. you know they're they're now in the zeitgeist more than ever with anna delvey and the fire fest (laughs) you know theranos and all that right madoff right there's a lot of fraudsters who kind of are prevalent in our cultures why does that keep happening especially in american culture i mean it's everywhere but big here so why why to do that you know what is this american dream what's the dark side of it what does that look like how does that play out and then ultimately can we take someone like jason Derek brown who's rotten to the core right and has malintent and doesn't have good intentions at all and can we move an audience to a place of understanding compassion empathy or retribution judgment what is it how do you feel about it because there's no answer it's not you know i'm not saying yes we can i'm not saying no we can't i'm just saying i think it's a question worth asking so that's ultimately why i made the film i think on an emotional level of what's you know why i've spent years of my life (laughs) working on this this well i i think you told i think you told a great film and i'm really happy i got i got a chance to watch it i i'm not sure if you so much I'm actually reviewing it tomorrow. Um, oh, so, great. So, so speaking of the film, so I can let you get out of here, uh, can you please tell people where 
they can find you on social media where they can where they can watch the film what you have coming up all that jazz yes um so american murder will be coming out tomorrow friday when's this dropping actually i can take uh tomorrow actually i'm gonna have to upload tomorrow so (laughs) okay so american murder is in select theaters um as of today friday october 21st uh go see it please bring your friends if you like it rate it high on imdb letterbox you know listeners of this podcast i just gotta say this is an indie film doesn't look like one but it is one and uh if you come out and support it please you're supporting indie film and hopefully we can get more movies like this made so october 21st today comes out in theaters october 28th if you can't make it to a theater um it will be on digital and vod um and it'll still be in some theaters too um as far as me you can follow me on instagram matthew l gentile um you know i i'm on there pretty frequently um and my website matthewgentiledirector.com if you want to ask me a question um and as far as what's next i'm working on another true crime thriller as we speak uh called the socialites that's planning to shoot that in fall of next year so fingers crossed but that's the next thing boom awesome um thank you so much uh matthew for making the time this was absolute pleasure I my friend really thank you i'm so glad to hear you loved it so much and that it spoke to you you know your questions really showed <laughs> that you that you watched it and engaged with it so thank you it's fun to do these when that's the case yeah no thank you so much i'll definitely tag you in the review when it comes out but uh yeah awesome, hopefully buddy. we can talk uh after your next uh after the next uh crime drama but thanks again you have a good night all right yeah, you'll have me for any of my movies thank you thank you josh all right take care <laughs>